Well, with uh, Thanksgiving being on Thursday, I thought it would be uh, profitable for us to just focus on a lot of different scripture that touch upon giving thanks. So if I have one verse to kind of launch us on, it would be probably 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, that says, "...and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus." So as we uh, are looking forward to time spent with family and friends and others on Thanksgiving, I thought I'd just prime the pump some this morning by helping us to realize that this is not a once a year celebration. We should be thanking God 24-7 and we have good reason for doing that. I want to begin by just kind of rehearsing for us uh, why Thanksgiving is a holiday for our country, and we all know the story of the pilgrims. But the pilgrims, uh, who were they? Well, they're basically Calvinists who shared the same theology with the Puritans. So I remember reading a book uh, many years ago about the pilgrims, and as I was reading the page... I came to this section where obviously someone had taken out sentences and put in sentences and it was a different font and it looked totally... Someone had tampered with the text. And it mentioned that they believed that the pilgrims believed in free will and I knew that was not the case and wrote the publisher, someone's tampering with this material because they were Calvinists uh, and they shared similar theology with the Puritans. But where they differed from the Puritans uh, in England back in the 17th century was the Puritans wanted to reform the Church of England. The Church of England uh, was very Roman Catholic in nature back then. The Puritans wanted to see the church reformed and brought more in line with Scripture. So the Puritans were very much committed to staying there and trying to bring about this reform. The pilgrims, on the other hand, were separatists. They believed that uh, the church was not going to change, so the only option was to leave and start a new church. So that's why they came to America and ended up in Plymouth in the year 1620. We all know the story of them riding on the Mayflower, the ship. Uh, The uh, other ship, the... Well speed, good speed, I forget the name of it, uh, was not seaworthy, so it couldn't make the trip, but the, Mayweather, the, the Mayflower could. So the passengers got on that in 1620. And uh, after about 65 days on the Atlantic Ocean, they finally saw land on November the 9th in 1620. William Brewster, who was the leader of the pilgrims, actually, when they saw land, he brought all the pilgrims on board the ship together and they read Psalm 100 that we just read this morning. So it was certainly a time of them giving thanks that God had brought them safely across the Atlantic and now they had finally sighted land. Of course, they eventually... uh, unloaded their ships, their, the ship at uh, Plymouth. And there were a little over 100, maybe 102 or so that landed 
Uh, it was a very brutal winter. They had to make their own shelter. Obviously, landing. They didn't really get off the ship, I think, until about December as they were trying to find a place to, to stay. So they're right in the dead of winter. And again, the, the weather was horrendous. Uh, half of those who arrived died that first winter. So about 50 some odd of them died and perished. <clears throat> so the nature of the celebration that they had the following year in 1621 was the nature of a harvest celebration. So they had survived. Half of them had died during the first winter. The rest of them survived. With the help of some Indians, they began to grow crops and things like that. And at the end of that year, in the autumn, obviously they had a, a good harvest. And as the uh, the pattern was for the pilgrims and Puritans and others, they would normally have a harvest celebration. And this was something they had been doing. So it was something that they were very comfortable with in England. That was just part of the fall celebration. And they had a good harvest and they had a time of feasting and celebration, including games and recreation. The harvest celebration, again, was a familiar custom to the English. It was also a time of giving thanks, but it wasn't specifically a day of thanksgiving. An official day of thanksgiving would be for some great providential blessing of God that they wanted to give praise to God for and thanks to God. The very first declared thanksgiving day for the pilgrims was in 1623, a couple of years later, when in a time of drought, they prayed to God and He sent a rain shower which saved their, the colony's crops. So they called for a specific day of thanksgiving for that. The event that most people refer to as Thanksgiving that we uh, celebrate this week was not so much that, but just a harvest celebration. A time of rejoicing and thanking God for the abundance of the food that they had come in after a very difficult year. Edward Winslow, who later became the third governor of the Plymouth Colony, wrote one of the two surviving eyewitness accounts of the Harvest Festival of 1621, which is what we celebrate this week. He said, quote, And God be praised, we had a good increase. Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling, that is, to go hunt birds, so that we might have a special manner of rejoicing together. So this was a time to rejoice, to thank God, because a harvest had come in. The food had been harvested, and it looked like they had enough to get them through the winter time. So they sent out four men. They went out, they hunted, they killed enough uh, fowl to feed the people for a week. It included ducks and geese and turkeys and swans. And they also enjoyed fish, cod and sea bass, Indian corn. They also would have had some of the native nuts and fruits and herbs and spices, some garden vegetables, eggs and goat's milk. During the festival, the harvest festival, they shot off their guns. That began to draw the Indians to them, wondering what in the world's going on. Indians started coming. They played games and the Indians, when they showed up, they entertained the Indians for three days who also contributed five deer to the celebration. 
So who was there on the first, we call it the Thanksgiving celebration, which is really a harvest celebration? Well, there were about 140 people there. It lasted for three days. Ninety of them were Indian men from the surrounding territory that were drawn in, including their chief, Massasoit, plus some 52 pilgrims. Out of the 102 that went on the Mayflower, that's how many were left at the end of the first year, 52. That included 16 men, only four adult women, 23 children, and nine hired servants who survived that first year. So with the harvest coming in, they were thanking God, praising God for the abundance of the food that they had, and they were celebrating it with the Indians, sharing, rejoicing, playing games, shooting guns. So it was just a great harvest celebration. So that's really what was going on, which we later adopted as a time of thanksgiving in our country this this time of year. So all of that is to say that with Thanksgiving on Thursday, uh, Thanksgiving is extremely important in the Christian life. It's something that we should be mindful of, again, not just this time of year, but throughout the year. It's something that we're commanded to do. So the duty of Thanksgiving, of course, is all year round. Again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul reminds us, in everything... Give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we are to acknowledge God who gives us all of our blessings and return that in thanksgiving to Him. So in the spiritual realm, thanksgiving should be as natural to us spiritually as evaporation is in the natural world. So the rain falls from the heaven. It lands on the ground, it lands on the cement and asphalt, and some of that evaporates and rises back up into the atmosphere. As God has ordained that in nature, there's a sense when God rains down His blessings upon us, that there should be a a thanksgiving that rises back up to Him in acknowledgement of the abundance of the blessings that He gives to us. The Scriptures also speak of thanksgiving as a sacrifice of praise. The author of Hebrews says, Through Him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. So we're to praise God, offer up a spiritual sacrifice, giving thanks to God. Now, in the Old Testament, there was a thanksgiving sacrifice and offering. It was a part of the peace offering. And they would bring their animal sacrifice. And a part of a peace offering included when you wanted to give thanks to God. So it was built into their minds that this was a duty and a joy to bring that animal sacrifice. Well, all of that points forward to Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of all the ceremonial law. But there's also carried over into the Christian faith that we still offer sacrifice. Not animals or anything like that, but a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to God. Peter has already told us that we're living stones built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we are to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. 
And we're to do that in everything. Not just some things. But in everything, give thanks. Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So, how often should we give thanks to God? Am I, let's see here. Well, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 says, Do it all the time. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. So now we know how often we should do it. And that's all the time. And the word always here indicates that there is no time in our life when thanksgiving is not appropriate. When we rise up in the morning, when we retire at night, when we're young, when we're old, when things are going well, when things are not going well, we should always give thanks for all things. Because this is God's will for us. This is a challenge, obviously, because I think if there's any sin that we often are guilty of, it's the sin of omission because we don't thank God. We have a tendency just to absorb all the blessings without returning a sacrifice of thanksgiving. We just take them for granted. We use them. We enjoy them. But we oftentimes don't stop to return back to God thanksgiving. And yet the Scriptures would have us be reminded that this is something that we should do all the time. In every circumstance, which is a challenge to our faith. But nevertheless, it's something that the Lord would have of us. It's also something that we should be devoted to. As Paul says in Colossians 4, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So we're to be devoted to prayerful thanksgiving. And to be devoted to something means that we're committed to it. We consciously strive to to do it. If we're devoted to something, it's something that we consider our duty each and every day. Not only a, a duty, but a delight. So he says, devote yourselves to prayerful thanksgiving. All the time. Be devoted to it. Day in and day out. So that our prayers should always be salted with thanksgiving. And I think the trial here, the challenge for us, is that oftentimes we we do suffer from a heavy heart, from difficulties, from trials left and right. And oftentimes we totally exclude giving thanks to God. And yet, the Scriptures would say, no, thanksgiving is vital. Thanksgiving is important. That even in all circumstances of life, there is something to give thanks to God for. Well, I want to kind of break down now some of the different specific areas that we should be thanking God for. And the first one is just our daily bread. I mean, this is uh, the Lord Jesus teaches us to give us this day our daily bread. We're supposed to pray for that. So when God does give us our daily bread, we should thank Him for it. James reminds us that every good and perfect gift comes down 
from above, from the Father of lights. So every good gift, that includes our daily food, our daily bread. So I think it's a good pattern to always stop and thank God before we eat. Now sometimes we may forget or get busy or whatever. But we see that that's a pattern with the Lord Jesus in John 6. He took the loaves and having given thanks, He distributed it to those who were seated. That's when He fed the 5,000. Acts 27, when Paul and the 276 people on the ship anchored outside of Malta in the midst of the storm, getting ready to try to make it to the beach the next day. He took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all, and He broke it, and they began to eat. Giving thanks for our daily bread. Too often times we just take it for granted. Bread, well, you know, I just, I just eat it. But no, it's something that I think that we should give thanks to God for. The Lord did it. Paul did it. The others did it as well. It's a good habit to get into. H.A. Ironside was a well... Ironside was a well-known Bible teacher back in the first half of the 20th century. There's a story about him going into a crowded restaurant. And as he was about to eat his meal, a man came up and asked him if he could sit at the table with him. And he invited him and he sat down. And once uh, his food was served, Ironside bowed his head in prayer. And after he got through praying, he opened his eyes and the other man asked him, do you have a headache? And he said, no, I don't have a headache. He said, well, is there something wrong with your food? He said, no, I just, something that I do before I eat, I always stop and bow my head and I give thanks to God for the food. And I always do that before I eat. And the man said, oh, you're one of those. Well, I want you to know that I never give thanks. I earn my money by the sweat of my brow and I don't have to give thanks to anybody when I eat. I just start right in. And Ironside responded to him and said, yes, you're just like my dog. That's what he does too. And I think what we should do is to not be like the dog, but have a thankful heart for even the little blessings of life. You know, people that focus on what they have, the blessings that they have, have a more joyful spirit than those who totally put that in eclipse. It's hidden away, so I'm focused on all the bad things. I'm focused on my trials. I'm focused on my problems. And that weighs on our countenance. But those who are mindful of their blessings, big ones, little ones, and are giving thanks to God, are going to have a more joyful spirit. And that should begin with even something as simple and regular that we do every day, and that's just eating. God has provided that food. We should be thankful for Him. Also about health. John says in his third letter, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. So John was praying that they would have good health. Good health is a blessing from the Lord. Uh, We often again take it for granted and we can't 
It's interesting, we can't really enjoy many of our other blessings if we're hurting, if we have pain. So good health or when pain is lessened, that's an incredible blessing. And it's something that we should acknowledge God in because good health ultimately comes from the Lord. Of course, with many of us, our health is challenged. We have various ailments, we have various problems, various aches and pains. But even then, we can be thankful for the areas that are not subject to those problems or those failures or difficulties. We can be thankful for even the sickness because we know that in all things, God has a good and purpose plan for our life. And that includes our illnesses as well as our health It's something that we can thank God for. It takes an act of faith to do that. That God is in control. That there is a good purpose for it. That I can even thank God for that. And so we need to learn to give thanks to God for our health and for our sicknesses as well. How about our abundance? We're all abundantly rich compared to people living in other parts of the world. And I'm always reminded of this passage in Deuteronomy when Moses is prepping Israel to enter into the promised land and take possession. And he's warning them that when they enter in and they begin to live off the good land, the land flowing with milk and honey, they're going to be tempted to forget the Lord God. And he says to them, you may say in your heart, my power And the strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is He who is giving you power to make wealth. That He may confirm His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. Every penny that we earn is by the grace of God. He gave us the ability, He gave us the talent, He gave us the mind, He gave us the job. It all ultimately comes from God. All of our abundance, in whatever degree that may be, is a gift from Almighty God. Because I cannot accomplish the job to get paid without the mind, without the motivation, without the skills, and all of that is given by God. And we should learn to acknowledge that to the Lord. It's not my power, my strength, and my mind that made me this wealth. No, God gave me that too. So that ultimately it all comes from the Lord. And so it's something that we need to remember, something we need to give thanks to God for, to rejoice in Him. And even when we give from our our abundance, uh, later on when they're building the temple and David is collecting all the, the materials to build the temple, there was the gold and the silver and the bronze and the precious stones and all these things that the people contributed that they came before the Lord and they said, Lord, all that we have given to You, we have just received it from Your hand first. From Your hand, we have given these things for the building of the temple. And that was the right attitude, is to acknowledge God in all the abundance that we are blessed with. How about our trials? Again, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, "...in everything..." Give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Well, when we read that, we've got to understand that the in everything means in everything. Not just our blessings, 
But the times that we hurt, the times we have trials, the times things don't work out, the times we have losses, and everything give thanks. That's what the Spirit of God is telling us to give thanks for in everything. I read of a Scottish preacher by the name of George Matheson who realized that he was not as ready to praise God when things went wrong as when things were going right. We can all identify with that. It's easy to to praise God and give thanks for the things that are going right in our life, the blessings, but not when the things go wrong. And he realized that in his own heart. And afterwards, after he began to lose his eyesight, he changed his thinking, but it was a struggle for him. He struggled for some months with this weary burden of his eyesight gradually fading away. But he finally reached the point where he could say, My God, I've never, I have never thanked You for my thorn. I have thanked You a thousand times for my roses. But I have never th- thanked You for my thorn. I've been looking forward to a world where I shall get compensated for my cross, but I've never thought of my cross as itself a present glory. Teach me the value of my thorn. And I think there's a lot of godly wisdom in that. If we're to thank God in everything, not only for the blooming sweet fragrance of the rose, but for that thorn, that pierces and causes me to bleed. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul prayed for God to remove that thorn in his side. Three times he prayed, and each time the Lord said no. And the Lord revealed to him that I'm leaving that thorn in your life and I'm not going to remove it. Because I have blessed you, Paul, with all these incredible revelations and your heart's going to be tempted to become arrogant and puffed up in pride. But I'm leaving this thorn in there so you'll, so you'll respond in humility. And by being weak, you'll learn of my strength. By having the thorn, you'll realize my grace is sufficient for you. So that even in that... Paul could say, I'm well content with my weaknesses because he knew that God was in control, that God had a purpose in it. Whether I understand it or not, my God is good, He is wise, and He's in control. And he learned to be content and to thank God for it. You see, God ordains your weaknesses and hardships and burdens and trials as much as He ordains the good things in your life. Joseph had to learn through his own experience this truth and could later tell his brothers that what you did to me, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And Paul could say again, when I'm weak, then I am strong. And God, Your grace is sufficient for me. So that we need to learn in everything to give thanks to God. For our crosses and our losses and the burdens and the trials of life because they all are a part of the tapestry of God's plan for our life. God often uses our trials for greater spiritual gain than our blessings. Just think about it. 
Because in those difficult places in life, in those difficult trials of life, it's then like Paul we can discover the sufficiency of God's grace. God, I can't handle this. Lord, I can't endure this. But You you be my strength. In our trials, we end up turning to God more in prayer and calling out to Him. We depend on Him more. We, we rely on His strength more. And His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Even Job could say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then as he endured that awful trial, he began to, to learn eventually towards the end of the book the incredible greatness of the character of Almighty God. He would not have learned that had he not gone through that trial. That the trials that God sends in our life sometimes are the better way of producing grace within us than just the blessings that we have. And when we understand that and believe that, then we can thank God not only for the roses, but also for the thorns. We thank God in everything that happens. William Bridge said, there is no condition so sad that does not have some good mingled with it. No darkness so dark, but some light shines in. So what we must do then is look for God's goodness and not just focus on the badness of the trial. So those are some of the physical blessings that we can give thanks to God for. But not only physical blessings, we need to give thanks to God in in everything, and that includes our spiritual blessings as well. And of course, there are many things we can thank God for. Here's just a few We can thank God for the spiritual blessing of having the Word of God in our life. I mean, what an incredible blessing. Psalm 119, verse 72. The law of thy mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. God's Word will make you more wealthy than being wealthy in, in terms of gold and silver. That's how much of a blessing it is. Thy Word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my fat my path. So when you're going through times of darkness and confusion, you feel like your life is in a maze, the Word of God can shine light and direct your feet. It's that kind of a blessing that we can thank God for that He's given us this precious treasure of the Word of God to encourage us and direct us and to help us find His peace. The Word of God is something we ought to thank God for all the time. How about our election? Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, but we should always give thanks to God for you. So, he, so Paul is saying, I, I should always thank God for you. So, so why are we to thank God for them, Paul? He says, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. Just to thank God for choosing us. Now, as we understand the doctrine of election, unconditional election, is that before the foundation of the world, when God was viewing us all as fallen sinners in Adam, all who deserve judgment and the wrath of God because of our sin, and yet in mercy and grace, He chose to save us. And notice He has chosen them from the beginning for salvation, in order to save them, not because He saw they were already saved. 
He chose them in order to save them. Salvation is the result of their election. And sometimes I wonder, Lord, why in the world did you choose to save me? And it's really a mystery. It's not because of anything that we've done. It's unconditional. It's unmerited. And yet God in His mercy chose to save us. And we should always be mindful of that incredible blessing and grace that we do not deserve. And thank Him for His mercy to choose us, to save us, that we might be with Him forever. And of course, we don't know who the elect are, so we are to carry the Gospel to all men, all people, everywhere in the Great Commission. That is still our task. And God will save who He will save. But if if I'm saved, if you're saved this morning, then we give praise to God. Thank you, God, for saving me. Because all of that comes from Him. How about just the forgiveness of our sins? I mean, this is something we should genuinely, consciously think about, particularly after we've committed a sin and we've repented of it, and then to rejoice and thank God that all of our sins have been forgiven. Ephesians 1.7 In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of all of our trans- trespasses according to the riches of His grace. To know that even when I sin as a believer, that the guilt of that sin, the punishment of that sin, the guilt of that sin has been forever removed. That He hasn't just forgiven me of my past sins, but my past, present, and future sins. And that's something we ought to always walk in the joy of our salvation and thanking God that our sins are forgiven. Even our faith is a gift of God for which we should give thanks to the Lord. Paul says this in Colossians 1, when he said, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. So, he's thanking God for their faith and for their love. Because ultimately, God granted that to them. So that we should not Pat ourselves on the back for our faith. Faith is a gift of God. Paul is thanking God for their faith and for their love. Which if it came from themselves, he would certainly not do. But he is thanking God for that incredible gift of faith and the love that the Spirit has worked in their hearts. So we have physical blessings we should thank God for. We also have spiritual blessings we should thank God for. And these are just some of the tip of the iceberg. But finally, we certainly need to give thanks to God for being God. We just need to thank God for for God. For who He is. To focus our thanksgiving upon God because of His majesty, His greatness, His glory. And just to praise Him for who He is as He has revealed Himself to us in the Scriptures. And again, as we've read earlier in Psalm 100, let's read it again. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And His faithfulness to all generations. So what is the psalmist doing? He is thanking God for God. For being God. That He is a God who is good. 
He's a God whose loving kindness will never end. A God whose faithfulness is to all generations. He is thanking God for His attributes, for His character, His majesty, His glory. Because without that, we would not ever know Him or ever have the hope of glory with Him if He is not a good God, full of loving kindness and faithfulness to His people. And these are wonderful. God is good. So there's a God's goodness is reflected in everything that He brings into our life. There's a purpose. There's a good purpose. His loving kindness, there is no end. It's everlasting. It will never stop. You'll never wake up one morning and say, well, no loving kindness from God today. It will always be there. His faithfulness is always for His children because He loves you and He is committed to you. Just thanking God for who He is. Just praising Him for His glorious attributes. Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and I'm helped. Therefore, my heart exalts and my song With my song, I shall thank Him. So he's thanking God because God is His strength and God is His shield. God is omnipotent. In times of weakness, God will be your strength. In times of danger, He will be your protection. He will be your shield. Thank You, Lord, that You're my strength and my shield and living in a very dangerous world. And yet I can trust in You and my heart does trust in you. Nahum 1 7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. What an encouragement when you face your day of trouble to know that you have a stronghold that you can run into and be safe. And that stronghold is the glory of God, the God who loves us and has saved us, who is good. Run into him. He's your strength, he's your stronghold, he's your protection. Just praising and giving thanks to God for who He is and all the blessings that we receive because of it. In 1 Timothy 1, Paul says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That God is everlasting. He's immortal. He's invisible. All of these are attributes just to thank God for, to delight in, to meditate on. And then Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His sovereignty rules over all. There is no leader in the world. There is no nation on this planet that is not under the sovereignty and the throne of Almighty God. He raises up leaders. He brings them down. He's in sovereign control of what's going on in every nation because His sovereignty rules over all. All, everything in this cosmos. He's on His throne. And nothing can bring Him down from His throne. And this is something that God's people, I think, can delight in. We can find encouragement in. We can be blessed by as we, as we think about the God that He has brought us in relationship with Him. He's not the God of the, some idol or some pagan deity. He's the perfect, almighty, infinitely glorious God of Scripture that we know through Jesus Christ. Which means that, of course, if we're 
thanking God for being God, we certainly need to thank God for Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, second person of the Holy Trinity, the sinless High Priest, who can sympathize with what you're going through because He's been tempted in all things that you have also yet without sin. So that we can draw near to His throne and find mercy and grace to help in time of need. He's the Lamb of God. He's our sacrifice who died on the cross and bore our sins and was punished in our place and bore the full wrath of God and satisfied God's justice against our sin. So that any sinner who repents and believes in Jesus Christ can receive the free gift of everlasting life. He's our Redeemer. He's our Savior. Our Shepherd who leads us. Our Protector. We're in His hands and nothing can take us out of His hands. He's our intercessor. He prays for us and on and on and on. We can give thanks to God because of who He is and for Jesus Christ and for who He is and what He has done for us. Well, we have so many blessings that we can give thanks to God for. Physical blessings, spiritual blessings, thanking God for being God and drawing us into a relationship with Him. And in conclusion, I want to just kind of say that Thanksgiving is so important in our life. And I think if you're like me, we all fail to give thanks to God as often as we should. And if anything, these scriptures and hopefully these thoughts will encourage us to be more mindful of living in an atmosphere of prayerful thanksgiving. We're, at, we're bombarding God with all of our requests. I need this, do this for me, do that for me. But we don't want to neglect the importance of just giving Him thanks for all things in our life. Because thanksgiving really is a vital part of our worship. Not only just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week as well. Thanksgiving is a vital part of your fellowship and worship of God. So we come back to Psalm 100 again. And the psalmist David said, how are you supposed to enter His gates? Well, with thanksgiving. And His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. So that when we gather for corporate worship, we should enter with thanksgiving. That's what He delights in. Is to be thoughtful of all the blessings that He has given to us, most of all in Jesus Christ. In Psalm 50, verse 23, the psalmist says, He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors Me. So we honor God. We worship God. We praise God when we bring a sacrifice of thanksgiving to Him. Both in corporate worship and private worship, give thanks to God in all things. And then lastly, the importance of worship and thanksgiving, thanksgiving for worship, is also that thanksgiving is vital to also just help us to find God's peace and to subdue worry and fear and anxiety, which we have a lot of in these days. And so I draw your attention to this very familiar passage that we all know. 
when Paul exhorts the church at Philippi to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we're to give thanks to God. We're not to be anxious for anything. We're not to be fearful. We're not to be worried about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So the very thing that's bringing anxiety into your life, the very thing that's causing you to be fearful, the very thing that's causing you to kind of sink and worry and dread and to pull you down, the very things that cause that anxiety are the things we're to pray about with thanksgiving. And notice he says, in everything, whatever it is that's troubling you, by prayer and safety, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So I ask myself, okay, I understand the prayer and the thanksgiving, the, the prayer and the supplication, excuse me. I understand when I'm anxious and fearful and worried about things, I need to pray. But why pray with thanksgiving for the very things that are troubling me? The very things that are sinking me down in anxiety? Why Pray with thanksgiving. And I think the reason theologically, biblically for that is that we must understand that the very circumstances that are causing me to be anxious or worried or fearful are as much under God's sovereignty and His throne and a part of my sanctification as anything else. So those circumstances, I pray about them. God, take them away. But Lord, thank You that You've brought that into my life because although I don't understand why, You have in Your infinite mind a good, wise, sovereign, holy purpose for that to be in my life. It's exposing how weak I am spiritually. It's exposing how hard it is for me to trust in You. And Lord, thank You for that. It's teaching me how much more I need to call upon You and draw near to You. Thank You for this trial. It's working more grace in me. It's showing me more sin. It's showing me more need of growth. And I thank You for that trial. I thank You that You're using it. You're working it for the good in my life in one way or another. And it's ultimately working for Your glory. So Lord, in faith, I thank You for these circumstances because it's a part of Your good will for my life. And I think in verse 6, when Paul exhorts them, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything pray with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Paul did remove this thorn three times, but with thanksgiving. Because Lord, as long as you leave it, it has a sanctifying purpose in my life that I need according to your infinite wisdom. So Lord, in faith, I'm thanking You for these circumstances. And in verse 7, 
when we pray that way, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So then the peace comes in. Because now the, the anxiety and the worry and all the stress and fears can be, can be lightened and God's peace can rush in because I'm thanking God for it. Not just praying about it, but I'm thanking God and acknowledging His goodness, His sovereignty, His wisdom. And when I'm thanking God for it, it just helps the burden to lift to a degree. And so often we go through this life and we're like a, a coiled up spring that's stretched down. There's all this tension and we're just stressed out. We're strained out. But a thankful heart can help relax and loosen that spring and let the peace of God rush back in. That's the value, the blessing of giving thanks to God in everything. And that's exactly what we should do. Not just on Thursday, thank God for the turkey and the mashed potatoes or whatever it is you do on Thanksgiving Day. But in everything, give thanks. Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's a key to worship and it's a key to sanctifying peace which causes our fears and worries and anxieties to melt back away. And may God help us all in this season to be mindful of the importance of giving thanks, not just this week, but every day and everything at all times give thanks. And may God through His Holy Spirit teach us and lead us in doing that. Well, let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we do uh, thank You, Lord, for this season of thanksgiving that we can put special emphasis on this important virtue of the Christian life. And Lord, You know our hearts. You know how oftentimes we fail to give You thanks. And because of that, we focus only on the bad, the trial, the difficult, the hard. And because of that, our attitudes become very gloomy, depressed, and discouraged. And yet, Lord, we ask that You would cause the light of Your grace to shine in our darkness, that we might see the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ that we might see our Savior on His throne, that His sovereignty rules over all things, and that He would allow nothing to touch the life of any of His children except that which is ultimately for our good and for His glory. And Lord, may that light shine more brightly within us. And may it stir our hearts to respond in more thanksgiving as we see our great blessings and our little blessings, our great trials and our little trials, that everything are a part of Your good plan. So teach us, Lord, in everything to give thanks because this is Your will for our life today and every day. So help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may God so fill our hearts that we continually offer up a sacrifice of thanksgiving to Him who so richly blesses us in every way through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So to Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.
and a happy Thanksgiving. God bless you all.